You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Hey, guys, how you doing? So excited to be here. want to thank uh, Ron and Cheryl in the North Region for organizing this incredible yes. event and for giving us a chance to share. Amen. Hey, so I just want to tell the guys in the room, you made the right choice. You did it. You showed up. Right? And for all the women, you guys are excited. Your husband showed up. Okay? He can focus on you and on the things that need to change. I want to congratulate all of you because this could, this is the best way to spend your weekend. There's a lot of things going on. But if you want to talk about what is going to speak into eternity, that's your marriage. Not just yours and your wife's, but to the people around you. There's people watching your marriage, your children. They're speaking and looking and asking, does marriage really work? And I'd say like no other time in history, we need some great marriages out there to shine. So I hope you're motivated. I hope you're excited. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them with great faith and great confidence, it's going to get better. 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 All right? See, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. But some of the things that we want to share with you is going to make it better. Even for the Sugarmans. I say they have one of the better marriages in the kingdom of God. But it can get better. Uh, I want to just recognize one of our newest couples to a marriage retreat. I think it's their first one. They're only a couple months married. Nick and Joy. Neil. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Just, just married a few months ago. Come on. Nick told me you, I, I was here for you, and I said, no, you're not. You're here for your, for your marriage. So wanna wanna welcome you. What a great venue. What a great time that we can spend together. And uh, you know, you've had your, your icebreaker, but we need a little more. And I want to introduce to you not an icebreaker, because it's already broken, but I want to introduce to you an ice melter. Okay? We're just gonna melt it. So I'm gonna have you stand on up. Okay? Stand on up. Some of you are going to need to come into the aisles a little bit, okay? Now, I'm going to play a song for you. This is our theme song for the whole weekend, okay? And it's not the, it's not the crazy one from the 80s. It's the, one, it's the one that's all about, okay, connecting. So we're going to do a little slow dance together, all right? And I highly encourage, I highly encourage eye contact, okay? Just lock in as we listen to this song. Let's slow dance together for a couple minutes. Just to love you now that 
seat. That's just a little warm-up for later. Highly recommend that you re Diane Crawl later tonight. And slow dance that one. I want to go ahead and pray for us and pray for our marriages, pray for our families, and pray for God to speak to us this morning. This afternoon, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you have blessed us with amazing wives. Thank you, God, that uh, we have what we have. And we're not just doing this alone. We have you and we have each other. And we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you will speak to us. Uh, I know, God, we've got a lot that we want to say. But I I ask you, Father, through your spirit to say what you want to say. There are many needs in this room today. And we pray that you will speak to each one. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for Jesus who made marriage better, who made marriage the best that it can be. And we pray, God, that you'll help us to allow Jesus into our marriages and keep him there in the middle. We love you. Thank you. Speak through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I want to uh, I want to start off with a, a couple of stories. A son asked his dad. He said, "Dad, you know I've heard this thing, love and marriage. What's the difference?" He said, "Son, love is blind, but marriage is eyes wide open." Eye open. Ha ha ha. Maybe it was too true, you know, maybe it was too true. Um, There was a a wife who said that, uh, you know, she was so mad at her husband. She gave him a a silent treatment for a week, didn't speak to him at all for a week. And then after the week, her, her husband came up to her and said, hey, I think we're getting along really great lately. Guys laughed a little harder on that one than the, than the women did. But I want to, we're going to be sharing with you today and tomorrow uh, from three different perspectives, uh, just to kind of give you an overview. One is from, from, from the scriptures, which is the most wisdom we can ever receive. And then number two is we want to share with you some, some evidence-based information that proves that God's word is right on target. And you, you can share that with your, with your friends and with your family, that God had every reason. And then the third thing we want to share is our own personal perspective. We've been married for 30 years. And uh, even though they, uh, you know, Cheryl and Ron had shared some really great things about us, I, I want you guys to know that uh, we're not experts in marriage. We're in the trenches just like you. And I would say we sit at the feet of others that have gone before us and are teaching us how to have great marriages. And maybe one day we'll be like the Sugarmans and be experts 
in marriage. I'm going to have Laura share a little bit about us. Amen. Thank you and good afternoon. We are so, so grateful to be here with all of you. Thank you so much again for the invitation. And we're very thankful because this invitation has made us go deeper in our own marriage. We thought we were getting along well until we decided to plan for this retreat. Then we realized that's a whole other level of challenge. No, but, but I want you to know that we want to be very sincere with you and genuine. And also, I want you to know that you are a treasure in God's kingdom. You really are. You are a jewel in God's kingdom, and he wants to make you shine. I believe God wants to meet all of our needs through his glorious riches. And I'm going to share a little bit about Peter and I. Uh, Peter is Cuban, and he's from a Cuban family in Florida, and his parents have been married an astounding 67 years. They are 89 and 92, and they, it's amazing, they still live in the same house and take care of each other. His mom more takes care of his dad mostly. But he had a pretty stable upbringing overall, and he, we're very, we are polar opposites. Um, Peter is calm. I tend to be high strung. Um, Peter is, loves to have fun. I love to have fun too, but <laughs> he loves to play golf a lot. Um, but we, we have had to learn to adapt to each other and because we are so different, really different. So I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. We both became disciples in the campus um, 35 years ago. And my family was a different story. I grew up in a home, although my father was educated and was an amazing piano player, he was emotionally and physically abusive. So not just to us, but also to my mother. So my family, when I was 14, um, it was pretty, it was horrible, the situations that were happening. Um, they were there. Finally, my parents, when I was 14, got divorced because of infidelity. So there, even now, I'm in my 50s, and I can still go back. I could go back to scenes in my house that were really, really bad. I had a brother. My one of my all my siblings have gone through a lot because of that. The only difference with me, and we, it's still been challenging, is because of God, and God's word, and the church. Um, but. The amazing thing is that with God, I'm very grateful that all things are possible with God. So life keeps changing, as you notice, right? And this is a little presently. So those were, we came into our marriage with challenges, right? Because we're very different. Then the challenge, now in 2019, we have new challenges because life keeps changing. So Peter decided to do his master's as a marriage family therapist um, we have, that was a big change, if any of the wives know about that. Um, we're the Lighthouse Church. We're very grateful. We love that region. We love serving there. And we got a new dog, Jesse, who looks innocent, but he is not. His name, he thought he was Jesse James, and we had to change it because he was getting very destructive. But anyway... And we also have, my daughter is a disciple. She is married to Jeremiah. That's not a great picture. But, and then Nicholas, my son, just moved in with us this year after college. He asked, can I live with you guys for a while? We're like, sure. And that has been wonderful. We're grateful and challenging. So, so life keeps changing, but the principles that we will be sharing today will help you in every season, no matter what's going on. And I just want to encourage you that we can embrace the changes as life changes. So uh, the scriptures teach us that whoever finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. That's what God intended when you do it his way. But when you don't, it's the polar opposite. It can be hell on earth. So if you're having trouble in your marriage, it really comes back to Hey, how am I doing this? Am I doing this my way, her way, or God's way? He intended it to be one of the best things that he could give you beyond his son, Jesus. And, and that's where he wants to take us in, in our marriage. And, and yes, it requires 
challenge us, to make us better. But I want to I share with you today uh, some things that I think are, are in trouble in our, our marriages. And it has a lot to do with our society. It has a lot to do with things going on around us. I want to start out talking about the power of eye contact, the look of love. The whole idea of eye contact, and we're going we're gonna to watch a video here in a little bit that I, I got from my, from my master's program. And I'm very grateful that I can go back to school, even though it's been incredibly challenging at 56 years old to think I wasn't a good student before in undergrad. And uh, now for some crazy reason, I don't know how or why the professors must, must like me, but I'm a straight A student now. Mm-hmm. Much of it might have to do with I am so excited about what I'm learning because I want to help God's church. I want to help God's people, and I want to help people who don't have understanding of God, how psychology is from God and can make people completely different, and they can be healed from their wounds. But as you think about eye contact, how often and how much are we spending time as couples looking at each other, gazing into each other's eyes? You know, the, the, the reality is eye contact is in big trouble because of these things right here. Not just these things. We've got these things. OK, we've got monitors and screens and we're spending so much time looking at these things. And it's one way communication. It's coming at us in our face, in our eyes. And, and I'm going to share with you a little bit of, of, of science. We weren't created to look at screens. We were created from the very beginning to look in each other's eyes. And the amazing thing, when babies are born right out of the womb, their, their brains are, are like sponges where millions of neurons are just waiting to explode into connection. Babies don't know how to talk. Babies can't take care of themselves. But where the brain, it's one of the most miraculous things that happens in the first few months of a baby's life. When he or she looks into her mother's or father's, their caregiver's eyes. Bam. Everything explodes in the brain. And we don't even know it's happening it's probably one of the most overlooked stages in, in, a, in, a, in a person's life is their, their first few months because so much is happening. But what happens when kids get older? You know, we hand them these. And, and for some of us who are younger, we've looked at these for a long time. And we're missing things. We're missing the look of love. We're missing the connection. Between our, our, our right. And, and it's, no, it's no wonder why Jesus talked about, you know, you've heard some different authors and famous people like William Shakespeare. He said, the eyes are, are the light to the soul. But you know where he got that from, right? Let's just break it down. Jesus said it. And they stole it. But see, Jesus understands these concepts. This is where the Bible comes to life for us. And we go, yes. Matthew 6, verse 22. It says, the eyes are the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are, are unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. In other words, what are you looking at? What are you, what are you paying attention to? What are you gazing into? And there's something that's really, really powerful when we look into each other's eyes because it brings us back to when we were infants. And we, we connect at a level that's, that's almost like hardwired. And I want to I break this down for you. Ephesians, uh, Paul talked about this in Ephesians 1, how, how powerful this, this verse is. I pray that the eyes of your heart, something happens. You don't just look and it goes to your brain. No, you look and it goes into your brain and then it goes into your heart. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which He has called you. The riches of His glorious inheritance 
and His holy people. And, you know, the amazing thing about science is it just confirms what God has already instituted. Dr. Dan Siegel, he's a neuropsychiatrist. And what, what they're doing in the field of psychiatry now is they're doing a lot more, um, a lot more research in, in neuroscience in the sense that they, they basically take an evaluation of your brain, an MRI, a constant MRI, to see which parts of the brain are, are, are lighting up and which ones are not, depending upon the activity. When you make eye contact with someone you love, you know what happens in your brain? It lights up. Mm-hmm. It lights up. But there's a challenge today because we're not looking at each other. We're looking down at a screen and we're missing each other. Here's the interesting thing about eye contact. One author, Ralph Waldo uh, Emerson, said, The eyes of men converse much as their tongue with the advantage that ocular dialect needs no dictionary, but is understood all the world over. But we're missing each other. And as couples, we're missing each other. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at each other anymore. We're driving straight ahead in the car and we think we're talking. <laughs> but we're not. See, because you're really communicating when you look at each other in the eye. See that? I'm looking over there. See that? <laughs> so, so let me show you a little brain science. And you know, I've heard people say, are you a left brain person or a right brain person? All of us, all of us, when we were born, were right brain people. Because that's when our brain started to just explode. Dr. Dan Siegel said this, the brain has two sides, the social and more emotionally dominant right side of the brain and the literal logic and more objective left side. The right hemisphere picks up the more subtle signals from someone's inner state. Their feelings, their meanings, their intentions, but not as engaged on a digital screens is the real life interactions in a person. If I were to ask you, hey, I want you to tell me how the person next to you is doing. And you're only allowed to look at them. And you're only allowed to look at one body part, or in this case, two, to find out and evaluate how they're doing. I'm all sure that every single one of you would look at the person's eyes. Why? Because the eyes have it. The eyes have the information. Are you with me? Are you somewhere else? Are are we connecting? Are Are you doing okay? And the eyes don't lie. The eyes speak truth. And we can't even hide it. Mm-hmm. Even though some of us may have gotten really good at hiding it. In poker and whatnot. <laughs> but, but the reality is, if you really, really want to connect with somebody, you look at the eyes. And you connect with them. Relationships are all about eye contact. But I, I believe this more than any other time. There's a crisis. There's a dilemma. You and I have to stop looking at screens, looking around, put the stuff down and say, hey, let's, let's just look at each other for a minute. Because that's where we communicate. That's where we connect. Especially when we're having conflicts. That's when we need to look at each other in the eye. If you're, if you're having an argument, that's where you need to look at each other in the eye. Because it's really, really hard to disconnect when you're looking at each other. So, Laura's going to share about this next point of making a bid. So, the power of eye contact. <clears throat> we have a choice every day to decide how are we going to look at our spouse. Are you looking with the the eyes of God of love and compassion, or are you looking with critical, a critical gaze? Um, It's interesting that a series of small decisions can get us to a place where we are disconnected. Did you ever know that? Notice that you decide little by little. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to forgive that. I'm not going to serve in this way. 
a series of small decisions lead to disconnect. So that's the good news is, though, a series of small decisions can also lead to a connection. We can make them. We can make decisions even today. Um, there's an, this. Uh, we investigated the Gottman Institute. You may have heard of it. They're considered the premier marriage counselors, or you know, they have a lot of workshops, and they have studied over 3,000 couples over the last 35 years, and they have some amazing tools that they use. But one of them is this one: making a bid for attention. So I want to give you an example. Let's say Peter and I are strolling around a marina, and I say, Peter, look what a pretty blue boat that is. And Peter either looks at his phone and says nothing, ignores me, or he says, great boat. Or he says, Laura, that is a beautiful boat. We should get a boat like that and sail around the world. (laughs) Wow. Enthusiasm. What they did in the study, what they showed, is that people make bids. You and I, in our relationship, we make what they call a bid for attention, a bid for connection. We do it a lot. And if we don't get a response, we don't re-bid again. We won't go back again. And Peter and I were very convicted because I will often say, maybe not the boat, but I will say, you know, oh, look at this, or look, and there isn't always a response. So we're repenting as we're doing this class. Uh, but what they say is in the Gottman Institute is you can either move away, like it says, or you can move towards your spouse when they make a bid for attention, which takes actually connection. And you, what they recommend is you move towards with enthusiasm, not with like, yeah, yeah, I see the boat, you know, whatever, you know. Doesn't go, so, and especially men, we love you all very much, but sometimes men are really busy and they have their mind on a lot of things, so women, we need to be really sensitive and patient and continue to make bids for attention. Um, but as, it's not always our flaws, it's not always what's wrong with us, it's, it's how we relate to one another. So if we can change how we relate, that can change a lot of things. And last thing is, When there's less face-to-face, there are more problems. For women, that creates more fear and anxiety. We go to the fear and anxiety place. It's our default mode. And I'll give you an example. Did you ever have, like, an ache or a pain, and you Google it? Like WebMD or I don't know. I don't want to slander any websites. But, you know, you do whatever. You look, you Google this need that you have, and then you go, okay, now I feel like I'm going to pass out. <laughs> now I'm feeling faint after I read all that. I know it's just me. You guys have never done that. No, but you get, it gets scary. You see all these possible things that you could have, right? So the thing is, God, we need the face-to-face interaction to go, it's okay. You're going to be fine. And once we feel like, do you ever notice when you find out the real reason, you're like, oh, now I feel 100% better. I thought I was going to die there, but now I'm okay. But God, God's plan was to have one-to-one and heart-to-heart. The, when you have that, it drives out the fear and the anxiety that can happen in relationships. So to make this point, I wanted to show you guys a video uh, that I saw in uh, this past semester about this very topic. From infancy to adulthood, eye contact is huge. We crave it, we can't live without it, and when we don't get it from the people that we love, watch what happens. Let's dim the lights if we can. Science tells us clearly that bonding goes from the cradle to the grave. Staying close to a protected loved one is the main survival strategy of our species. We can now look at pivotal moments in the dance we call bonding in infancy and romantic love and pinpoint the core moves in the emotional dance that defines so much of our lives and our happiness. This drama has just five basic moves. 
we reach invite connection. If we don't get a response, we protest and push, or we turn away and shut down to protect ourselves from rejection. We finally go into meltdown. In a good relationship, we find a way to turn back and reconnect. If we love, we will do anything we can to get a response from our loved one. Some of you have seen how this drama pans out in a YouTube video my lab released a few years ago called The Still Face. In it, we see the powerful impact a simple lack of emotional response has on a child and the emotional gymnastics the child goes through to try to deal with this lost connection. We need loving contact like oxygen. We really do not have many ways to deal with the pain of disconnection at any age. We will show you this original video and then show you how the exact same drama plays out with adult lovers. And she gives a greeting to the baby. The baby gives a greeting back to her. This baby starts pointing at different places in the world, and the mother's trying to engage her and play with her. They're working to coordinate their emotions and their intentions, what they want to do in the world. And that's really what the baby is used to. And then we ask the mother to not respond to the baby. The baby very quickly picks up on this, and then she uses all of her abilities to try and get the mother back. She smiles at the mother. She points because she's used to the mother looking where she points. The baby puts both hands up in front of her and says, what's happening here? She makes that screechy sound at the mother, like, come on, why aren't we doing this? Even in this two minutes when they don't get the normal reaction, they react with negative emotions, they turn away, they feel the stress of it, they actually may lose control of their posture because of the stress that they're experiencing. Now let's look at the exact same drama in an adult couple at a moment when emotional connection is lost. We're going to be filming the session today so that you can watch it later, yeah? Okay, I'll be back in just a second. I think this is going to be good. Yeah. also think that we're going to have fun at my sister's birthday on Saturday. I love when you and I do things together as a couple. Yeah. Look, I think we already talked about this, so um, I'm not, I don't want to go. Um, just not, it's just not my thing, so I'm just going to stay home and watch TV. But you said you would. And this matters to me. It's important that we do things with my family. That we all be together. What is happening here? Are you going to talk to me? (laughs) Now you're putting up your wall like you always do? Are you listening to me? Look, I just don't see how your family reunion is my issue, okay? Look, can we talk about it later? We'll talk about it later. It seems like my feelings and what's important to me is never an issue with you. This matters to me, Ted. And you said you would come. We can talk about it later. You don't don't get so upset. This is where I feel like we're not even a couple. Like, you don't care about my feelings. And we never talk about these okay, things. Well, now you're just being critical. And that's not talking, you know? After this, I'm just going to go back to I, work. I, I feel like I'm all alone here. 
Where are you, anyway? Why do you have to make such do a... Do I... Uh, it's like a total emotional thing. It's not a big deal, okay? Do I matter to you at all? You're mean. No. Mean and selfish. You don't care about anybody but yourself. Why'd you marry me then? Good question. Why did I? You don't care if I hurt. You're just not there for me. When we feel cut off from our loved one, we go into a kind of panic. We have lost the connection that is our main source of safety and comfort. The baby becomes overwhelmed by fear and anguish when the mother does not respond to her. She loses her balance, her ability to regulate her emotions. There is no solution here to her sense of abandonment. And we see the same kind of process in Jill. Yes. Jill is a strong, capable lady, but her mammalian brain codes this situation as totally painful and as a danger cue. She cannot rely on Ted to respond to her when she needs him. The reaching, calling, protesting, desperate demanding and turning away and meltdown are the same in adult and infant. Now let's see a moment of repair in both relationships. Okay. I'm here. And what are you doing? Oh, yes. Oh, what a big girl. Look. Okay, look, you're really upset, and it's not you, okay? It's not you. And you're right, when it comes to this topic, I just, I shut right down. It's just, your family is just so intimidating. And, you know, they're always asking questions about my career and how I'm doing and how we're doing. And it just, it's a little much. I just, I just block it out. Okay? But it's not, it's not you. And you're really upset right now. And I don't want to see you upset. And I don't want you to think that I don't care about your feelings. So, when this thing is done, we'll get out of here and we'll just, we'll talk some more. Because you're right, we have to talk, okay? Okay, babe? All right. I'm sorry. This is the moment of repair that seems to separate love that lasts from love that ends up in the divorce court or constant conflict. Every bond has moments of painful disconnection. But as long as there's a way out of the aloneness and the connection can be restored, the bond becomes safe again. The key is that Ted finally tunes into his lady's distress and responds on an emotional level, just like the mother with the infant. Ted helps Jill with her vulnerability by just opening up and being present with her. This contact calms down her nervous system, and now they can talk in a different way about any issues that come up between them. So, Ed, now we know that the drama of romantic bonding is an adult version of the bond between parent and child. Exactly. Disconnection hurts, and how we handle these inevitable moments of vulnerable disconnection, define how these bonds work out for us. We often don't see the impact on our partner of our lack of response to their emotional call. Right, right. Reaching and responding on an emotional level is what transforms these moments of disconnection. But we can get stuck in angrily pushing for a response or shutting down. Now we know the basic steps in the bonding dance and that this dance is often defined by how we deal with our fear of disconnection and if we're able to move into repair. We are learning to actually shape the dance called 
lasting love and togetherness. Imagine that. This changes everything. You know, Ed, it reminds me of Walt Whitman's comment on life. He said, we were together. I forget the rest. Really good, isn't it? You can go and uh, rewatch it, share it with your family, because this applies not just to couples, it applies to our kids. It applies all over the place, even in, in the workplace. But what we want to talk about in this room today is are you connecting? Are you connecting with each other? Particularly when there's stress. And what, what threatens our connection more than anything? A lot of times, and this is what we face, our challenge, we're blinded by the fight. See, because the fight, the conflict blinds everything. We can't see who each other are. All we see is the issue. You offended me. I offended you. And we're upset about it. And sometimes we lose perspective. But all that, as you saw in the video, can be healed. It can be repaired if we'll just humble out and do things the way God intended. To love each other more than we love ourselves. I want to share a story because this happens in every stage of our marriages. Uh, I remember uh, when we lived in Mexico City, uh, very crowded, uh, and our, our kids were, were both born there. And I remember Laura was going to meet some sisters to share in San Angelin. And uh, she went there uh, with the car, parked the car, went to the park, and they were sharing for a couple of hours with different people. And uh, it was an open market, and so they did a little shopping. And then she came back and looked for the car, and the car was gone. And this happens a lot in Mexico City. They steal cars, and then they chop them up, and they resell the parts. So she, she calls me and said, hey, I think the car has been stolen. And, you know, she had a big basketball. I think it was Nicholas that she was carrying. And so I rushed there, and we go there, and I asked her, I said, okay, so is this the area where you parked the car? Let's just, before we go and file a report with the police department, is this where you parked? And so we walked for blocks looking for the car. No car. And I said, are you sure this is where you parked it? And we looked for about an hour. It's a huge street. No car. So we go to the police department and we file the report, right? And, and in New Mexico City, it takes you three hours to file a report. Uh, and so we spent some time there. We filed the report. We gave them all the information. And then after that, we left. And so we got into, you know, my car and we're driving down the same street. And we get a few blocks down the road and guess what I see? <laughs> it's the car. And I said, I said, hey, Laura, there's the car. And you know what she said? Somebody must have moved it. Right? So you can imagine how I'm feeling about this, right? And so we had to go back to the dispatcho, to the police department, and unfile all that paperwork that we just spent three hours preparing. But I remember after it was all over, you know, I basically had to hum a lot. Here she is pregnant. It's a huge city. She made a mistake. And we can't be blinded by the fight. we got to move past this. So in every stage, we're going to have stuff that happens to us. And I don't know what stage you're in in your life, but our children cause conflict. Puppies cause conflict. A school causes conflict. So much stuff causes conflict. But the real question is, can we repair? And I believe if the, the best disciples, the best marriages, aren't the ones that don't fight. That's a misnomer. It's the ones that can fight and repair well. Those are the couples. And in order to really repair, you've got to take the blindfold off, look at each other in the eye, and repair and say, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. 
Proverbs 10, verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Are we ready to cover over some wrongs this weekend? Because I, I, I know in a group this size, there's, there's plenty out there. Are you ready to cover it over? Are you ready to let it go? Are you ready to take off the, the blindfolds that are blinding your sight? Laura's going to share about the four horsemen of the apocalypse from the Gottman Institute. Um, so the Gottman Institute says that there are four horses of apocalypse, meaning things that are going to kill your marriage. And the first one is contempt. Contempt is a feeling of superiority. You feel like you're better than your spouse. And it comes with insults in your mind or verbally and disrespect. So Peter and I have definitely had contempt in our marriage because we're so different. We can look at each other and go like, it's like a, you can accuse the person that it's like a personality defect because they don't think the way you think about situations. And that is a killer. It's a marriage killer. Um, the next one is criticism. Criticism is you're the problem and you speak in a way that you're, you have like a radar detector for negative behavior. You're just watching. And I think wives, we can be guilty of this. We're watching and we can be critical. So criticism. Um, also, the next one is defensiveness. Where we are defensive, we can be, that was like my thing. I was very good at being defensive. We can also whine. Um, we can complain. We can blame. And we had a situation, not this week, give you an old one and a new one, um, where we have this puppy, Jesse, and so I bet he's very rambunctious and he already weighs like 70 pounds and I did not want to get a yellow lab. That's another story. We had a yellow lab and I love him, but I'm not that big. And we, I was 16 years younger the last time. So Peter's like, no, he already talked to the lady. I want this dog. So for like three days, we're like, I said, Peter, can we pray about this more? I really want this dog. I already talked to the lady. He's going to be awesome. I'm like, okay. So I prayed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, we'll get the dog. Now, who takes care of the dog a lot <laughs> is me. But he does help. He does help. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> we'll just resolve stuff on stage if that's okay. Now, so, so uh, anyway, so this week I was, be, I was really mad at Peter because the dog, as I bent down, he's running around. We have him enclosed because he has like a gated community of his own because he's dangerous. So I bent down, I bent down to pick up a shoe that he was about to grab, and he ran and hit me right here, like pretty full speed. Like Peter thought I was going to come here with a black eye. And it, my, it is swollen, you can't tell, and it's bruised. Well, you maybe can't tell, but um, anyway, but it's bruised underneath. But I was like, I saw stars. I saw stars first, then I was like, Peter. Wait till I tell him what happened now with this wonderful dog. So anyway, I love the dog, but you can get blaming, right? You can blame. So I calm down. I put ice. God is merciful. Everything's fine. Yes, I'll let you. But the point is we can get defensive and blaming when things we get upset. Stonewalling. Men are famous for this. But stonewalling is when men are really overwhelmed, Women, they're, they're overwhelmed. So they just, it's hurtful to shut down, but they're hoping we'll run out of words. They're really hoping. They're like, they're getting flooded. It's called flooding. They get flooded by emotions and they're like, there if are I. more words. If I, there's one of the jokes Peter didn't get to read is this guy said, um, I haven't spoken to my wife for 18 months. And the therapist said, why? He goes, I don't like to interrupt. <laughs> That's a bad one. But anyway, so, okay, so stone, so we all know what stonewalling is, right? Stonewalling is you shut down. Women can do, women do it too. But it's very hurtful. We saw it in the video. It's very hurtful. So women, I just want to give you and encourage you, and this is 
the men. So the, if you're having a disagreement with your wife, it's usually because there's fear in her heart. All the disagreements we have, my bottom line is I'm usually afraid of something. A broken nose, um, finance, <laughs> financial decision, a dog that's going to take me around like a kite, like I'm going to be running around with a kite. And so anyway, all those things are fear in women's hearts, and that can cause us. So I have to have challenges. But do you seek to be understood before you before being understand? No. Do you seek to understand? Sorry. (laughs) Do you seek to understand before being understood? You have to ask yourself. And I just want to say one thing. Now in the world, it's almost like it's a shame if you stay together. You could be happier, possibly. But. Basically, I have a cousin that just got, not too long ago, got divorced because she told me, I deserve to be happy. And I said, okay. So we talked. I tried to help her. She Now she's remarried already. She has six kids now because three, which I understand there's blended families, and I know that happens, and that's, it can be awesome with God. But she's, guess what? She said, I deserve to be happy. Guess what she told me? She's not happy. We always think we're one step away if it was just a different person, if it, but really it's the way we're relating to one another. Proverbs, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. One of the techniques, I mean, it's amazing you can improve your marriage by going back to school. One of the techniques that they've taught me what we've shared with each other is the breathing technique when you feel a lot of emotion and you're upset you got to breathe it out and the scriptures tell us that you got to bring the temperature down and just to breathe it out say you know what i I think we're going to need to take just a minute here let me breathe this out let me let me work through this because i'm feeling a lot right now And understand how I respond to this is going to turn out one way or another way. And what the amazing thing about the Gottman Institute is John Gottman, he's interviewed so many couples, 3,000 couples. He's able to predict with 90% probability in one interview, he can predict if that couple is going to stay together or not. With 90% probability. And you know what he looks for? He looks for these things that we just talked about. He'll spot it. He said, this couple's not staying together. Because they have a pattern of showing contempt, of showing criticism towards each other, defensiveness, stonewalling. And he can call it right there and say, it's done. This marriage isn't going to last. What if you and I flip it and say, you know what? We're not letting that stuff in. Amen. We're going to be positive with each other. We're going to focus on, and we've got some solutions here that Laura's going to share about. Okay, we're going to go to the next point. Okay. So the solutions are, many of us know this, but one thing is to know it, another is to do it. Listen carefully. Validate the feelings. That just means you, if Peter, he listened to me, he said, I'm sorry the dog hurt your nose. And he, we listen and validate that you understand the person is hurt about whatever. It's just sometimes it's called active listening where you repeat back what they said sometimes. But validate and then apologize for the hurt feelings. I apologized to Peter this week for getting mad at him. And he apologized to me also for not being more sensitive in a couple of situations. <laughs> One was the dog, but another one. Always something. (laughs) But we have to apologize to each other sincerely, and we can start fresh. So it's very, but it is very simple. And just as far as the gentleness, I'll just say, but the Bible talks about, we know this, a gentle and quiet spirit is of great worth in God's sight. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest because I am gentle and humble. And he said, a bruised reed he would not break. So you're in good company, sisters and friends. And if you're gentle, that is a, that's not a weak quality. That is a strong quality. Anyone can be arrogant and prideful. I have learned the hard way. Anyone can be. It takes a strong woman to be gentle. 
and humble. So, Colossians 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. And these are qualities that, that we can have immediately. It's a choice. I can either respond pridefully. I can either respond with, er- with anger, with arrogance, or I can bring it down. One of the things that I, I, I've learned about my past, Laura has her past. I have my past. Very important to know your past. I grew up in a, in a very hostile home. My dad had a very strong temper. And we as kids, five of us, we knew when dad's upset, you stand down and you back off and you don't mess with him. He's big man. And so we we adopted that way. And I thought, you know, as a husband and as a father, I'm going to do the same thing that he did. It's almost automatic. And you and I have to relearn some bad habits that we got from, you know, our, our family environment. And say, I'm not going to be this way. I'm going to be this way. I'm going to be this way as God's son, as God's daughter. You have a choice. You don't have to be enslaved. And so to wrap it up, we want to just just make a decision today that we want to see clearly now. We want to get past the fight. We want to get past the hurt feelings. We want to get past the anger. And learn some tools that can help us see clearly. Matthew verse uh, 18, verse 21 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And now, isn't it amazing that he covers both husband and wife right here? <laughs> how many times, Jesus, in a day, in some of the other Gospels, should I forgive my wife or my husband? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That's a lot in one day. How much does God forgive you and me every day? Is there a limit on your credit line of forgiveness? And this is an incredible reminder for me because I can, I can think I'm running out of grace here. You're, you're, you're overdrawing on the grace. And the reality is there's no overdraft with God. But with each other, can there really be an overdraft? How many times? Well, he's just going to walk all over me. Well, she's just gonna she's just gonna take advantage of me. No, we don't look at each other like that. We want to be like God because does God draw a line with you and say enough is enough? I'm done with you. You you go outside and you figure that out. I'm gonna give you the stonewall treatment and, and you you go work on it and then come back and maybe I'll forgive you. Again and again. Again, that's the only reason why I'm still in Christ today is because of grace. In marriage, because of grace. We wouldn't have made it. And guess what? We won't make it any further. We won't make it out of this weekend without grace. And so, why don't we just embrace it? Honey, dear... You have an open line of credit because I love you that much. You mean that much. Forgiveness to find. The forgiveness is a conscious decision to release feelings of hurt or bitterness. I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. It's not worth it. I'm letting it go. I'm letting you off the hook. And I'm letting it go. The more gratitude you and I have, how's that credit line going to be? More forgiveness. It's going to be huge. And, and we're going to be, one, be more forgiving. Every single one of us in this room has received grace 
upon grace. Let that sink in. Why can't you and I be people of grace? Because it hurts. You don't think it hurts God to watch His Son, Jesus, die for us? You don't think it hurts God to see the pain and suffering and still be willing to hold out His hand and say, I'm willing to forgive you if you'll just come to me. Last quote, and we're going to wrap it up, is Noaya, she's a, a, uh, a writer and an activist. Today, I decided to forgive you, not because you apologized or acknowledged the pain that you've caused me, but because my soul deserves peace. Our souls deserve peace. And we need to let it go. And only through forgiveness can we truly have peace. Laura's going to close out. Um, So Matthew 18 is talking about being generous with forgiveness. Be generous with it. And one thing we learned from this institute is 60% or more of your conflicts will be perpetual problems. I know that doesn't sound like good news. But, in other words, because of your personality differences, they may not get resolved some of your conflicts because you're, you have personality, you're different. So, therefore, but 30% can be resolved. And your willingness to let go then, since you know some of them will not be resolved, I just have to be full of mercy and grace. If you have a doubt, obviously, if it's something that is against God and that we need to get advice and get help, but we need to have a willingness to let it go. And the last thing is, friendship makes it easier to forgive. If you have a friendship with your spouse, it's the difference between my friend is having a bad day versus I dislike him tremendously. You understand the difference? (laughs) We've been there. We've been there, right? In other words, if if you have a friendship, so we need to take time to work on our friendships. Because it's a, it talks about how it's a buffer. A friendship gives you a positive sentiment. It overrides bad moods. It's a buffer when you have a conflict. You move from gridlock to dialogue when there's a friendship. So think about what are some ways I can be friends, be a better friend to my husband. And God can help you and to know, to know each other's dreams, to know what stresses each other out, all of those things. But if you have a better friendship, you will be more, e- it is easier to forgive. It's very easy for us now to forgive each other because we have a better, much better friendship. Thank you. Awesome. Can I share with you guys a $60,000 lesson? $60,000 lesson. Can I share it with you? That's about how much this master's program is going to cost me, us. Here's what I've learned so far. And I think it's just going to keep driving the nail deeper and deeper as I've interacted with my classmates and my professors. And it's a very liberal school. But what I've learned for $60,000 is following Jesus makes better relationships. Following Jesus makes you better at marriage. And that, that's every time I'm in class and I'm reading all this material, all this stuff and writing papers after paper after paper. And I go, I am so blessed because I follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. He's helped me get out of the way and focus on my wife, focus on my kids. Because Jesus told me, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. And deny yourself. And guess what? I have a happier marriage because I deny myself. And as we're going to share shortly, our intimate relationship is better because we follow Jesus. Everything is better when we follow Jesus. So this is just part one. We want to continue to share with you some some great things that have worked for us. And again, we're in the trenches with you. We know what it's like to be on the dark side of the moon, wondering if we can get better. And the answer is, you absolutely can. So we've got some things here I want to just share with you. Uh, 
questions that you can take home. And uh, I'm going to ask the uh, ushers if you guys could pass out the, fly, the handouts, if you could. Got some homework for you to do. Okay, and please don't do it in public. <laughs> do it someplace private. Yeah, one, one per couple. One and I really want to encourage you to hold on to this sheet because we're going to do some more on the back side. You see these quadrants. We're going to do this tomorrow. Okay, it's only one sheet for the whole weekend. But this eye-gazing exercise is going to help us repent of our disconnection. And uh, this comes from Michael Ellsberg, who wrote the book, The Power of Eye Contact. And he recommends this to couples. It's a seven step, and I'm not going to go through all of it, but I highly encourage you take some time. It takes a matter of minutes to go through this. And who knows, guys, it could lead to something amazing for both of you. But get in a private place, lower the lights if possible, gaze softly. Not Marty Feldman. Okay, a soft gaze, a soft gaze, no talking, just gazing, breathe slowly and deeply. Don't judge, just appreciate. And you can follow the instructions. Promise you it will lead to greater connection. And so we're going to break up right now as we're departing. I want to leave you with this classic rendition I can see clearly now. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.